he's still dead to her in a way. Yes. Even yes, though the body right. is here. That's a good point. Even though most of his memories are here, yeah. my time spent with him in which we developed yeah. some kind of bond, even though it was short, is dead. And yeah. that person is gone. That and I, person's dead. Is it's really cool, cool yeah. that like death still means something even to yeah. the androids, even if it's just losing a little bit of your memory. It's like, that's kind of what makes us who we are, are our experiences and our memories. Right, right? Yeah. It's like... Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. This is episode two of our Near Automata analysis. We're going to be getting into the game itself today. No. Um, I I have not played this game in a while. It's really good. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful. It's now, awesome. <laughs> I remember watching, I think it was Landon or maybe you, who yep. was playing it a lot back in the day, mm -hmm. and... I just didn't see enough. Like I mentioned earlier, I yeah. thought it was Bayonetta again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just didn't really know what I was seeing. Um, but I will tell you what, this game reminds me so much of the original Nier. And it just reminds me of how special that game is. Mm. And that game was so good. I actually, as I'm taking my notes, I, I'm wondering, because we brought up the possibility that you might want to play Nier Automata first and yes. then go back and play Nier. Yes. Um, maybe we shouldn't draw a connection to all of I was thinking the, the thing. many, many similarities yes. <laughs> that these two games have. Yes. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Because they're everywhere. And just know that the connections are everywhere. Mm. And maybe we shouldn't uh, bring up every single one for people yeah, who want to play was, the other one after this. There was probably at least two or three places where I had a thought of what I could write down as a note. I was like, you know what? If I said that, that would kind of spoil the first near. Yeah, so and maybe it's such I shouldn't. A special game, <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I I feel a, a great attachment to these near games. Yeah, they're both amazing. So, yeah. um, but I just uh, I guess it's not that I forgot. It's just kind of a fresher refresher, a reminder. Like this game is yeah. actually really, really, yeah. really good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'm excited to dive back into it after we finish this podcast and go into content for next week. Yeah. So we told everybody to play up to. Ending the A. Ending A. Which was about which, 10 hours-ish. Yeah. Hopefully people have made a decent dent into that because yeah. it's, it's kind of long but for one do, week. But you do not need to have played up to that point for this episode. No, because I'm only really prepared to talk up to the point of the, where you arrive at the amusement park. Hmm. So right after the birth of Adam and Eve in the desert and you fight them there and then you go yeah. to the amusement park. That's where I stopped. I stopped at Disneyland. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're going to do today. Um... But who knows? Maybe that'll turn into two episodes. We never know that. <laughs> no, we but don't. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but we don't. One quick um, note here. Um, this is the newest, this is the most recent game that we've covered on this podcast. Right? Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the most recently released game. Yeah. The most recently released game. <laughs> Until Final Fantasy 16, which Ooh, will be it's in, coming. That's in happening. June, June yeah. 22nd. Um, uh, yeah. But Final Fantasy VI was the oldest game That's true. that we had done in this We podcast. just went from the oldest to, to the, the most newest. recent. So there's going to be some, uh, what do you call it, culture shock? Or what's the shock? <laughs> Something shock. Time shock. Yeah. It, some it, jet lag. Things <laughs> in games have changed since oh, these yeah. two games came out. I was actually thinking about that, too. I was like, man, what if this idea had been pitched to Hironobu <laughs> Sakaguchi Back then, back in you know 1995. Gosh, well, what you would know they what? have? To, what kind of game would this have been? It wouldn't this... have been this for sure. <laughs> Not even close. Especially if it was published on the Nintendo yeah, system. Right. <laughs> they Nintendo would have censored uh, so much. Um, but 
a lot of the gameplay elements, um, a lot of like the battle elements of this game are kind of 90s era, like with the side scrolling, the bullet hell, oh, arcade sure. that stuff, part, the top yeah. down, the dodging, dodging pink gumballs, you know, <laughs> like that's all arcade 80s and 90s era gameplay. So mm-hmm. that stuff would have been very similar, I think. Oh, sure. Uh, the story and the character design and all that. Yeah, maybe not so much. Who knows? Who knows? But it, it probably would not have been released in America at all. It probably, that's actually not a bad point. <laughs> So we forgot to talk briefly about the install screen as the game is loading up before your first playthrough. There are some questions that you're asked, and they're very interesting. Um, They don't really affect the game, but they do kind of get you into the mode, right? They'll ask you things like, why was the world created? And you can say if you believe in God or not, or whether everything is just chance. And uh, each question leads you to a different, down a different path that somehow kind of ends up circling back at the first question that you were asked. And you kind of second guess all of your assumptions and everything takes you back into a different loop. And it's a cycle that you don't exactly escape from. It just keeps going. And I think that's the point. It keeps you second-guessing yourself, second-guessing everything. And then before you know it, the game's ready to play, and you kind of forget all about it and start the gameplay. Um, but I, as loading install screens go, I thought it was very interesting. The very first thing you see as it opens up is it's kind of in the, well, up high in the sky. Yeah, and there's a, there's and a quote, quote on the screen. As Ooh. 2B says, everything yeah. that lives is designed to end. We are perpetually trapped in a never-ending spiral of life and death. Is this a curse or some kind of punishment? I often think about the god who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle and wonder if we'll ever have the chance to kill him. Yeah, classic. What do you think about that line? I thought it was great. I wrote a whole uh, piece <laughs> underneath it. So I, I, talk I imagine about that would be the case. The death of God, right? <clears throat> so uh, this is, this is, is Nietzsche, at least in part. Um, also, it, but what it really reminded me of is kind of why, why games and uh, shows and uh, especially anime and things around, I don't know, like the 90s and the um, early 2000s to the, what would you call it? 2000 to 2010? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, the idea of in a game how you've got to like you got to go kill God um, is so interesting and it, it's it's fascinated me for a very long time. Um, but I'm going to bring in Joseph Campbell and of course Vladimir Prop into this a little bit um, because sometimes the you, the atonement with the Father ends in the killing of the Father. Mm. And I've mentioned this in other games, but I don't want to spoil it because it's basically the ending <laughs> of those games. Uh, but you know there are other games where this kind of thing happens, yep. and it's like uh, some of it. These games are marketed towards teenagers. Yep. Some of it is like down with authority. Yep. You know, <laughs> like yep. oh, you know, screw your it screw the parents. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, screw authority and nobody can control me. All that stuff. Um, and then of course uh, this led me in my thinking. Of course, Joseph Campbell. Uh, part of where he gets a lot of this from is Sigmund Freud, mm-hmm. and Freud so- talks about the subconscious desire for a son to kill one's own father in his ana- an- uh, analysis of the Oedipus myth, right? Yep. So the Oedipus myth isn't just the son and the mother, um, you know, becoming um, connected in an uh, unnatural way, um, but it's also about the son killing the father mm-hmm. in order to have the mother to himself, yep. right? Right. And that is often ignored. But when we're talking about killing God, um, 
you know, Freud and Jung um, did a lot of work in this regard that, and just also Joseph Campbell, that the atonement with the father and the, even sometimes the killing of the father and, or the replacing um, of the father with yourself, that those things can be um, also interpreted as God not just sure. your father, sure. right? So your father's kind of a stand-in for God or God is a stand-in for the image of your father, right? And so when you're killing God, you're really just killing your mental image of the of your own father, right? Because yeah. that's the image that you would have of God anyways. Okay, so I think that's fascinating. Um, so uh, Freud also had this idea that a man, a boy does not become a man until his father has died. Hmm. What do you think about that? Just like, what, what does that bring to your mind? Like when you're around your father, yeah. do you feel like you're just this manly big old man or do you kind of feel like a well, kid? I know where you're going with this. Because <laughs> I kind of feel like a kid. <laughs> and and I, I would generally say yes to that too. I think that my dad, particularly in recent years, has had so many health problems. Oh, and, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Like we used to go to the gym together and stuff when I was in high school and we, we, would, we were on and off with this like going and working out together thing. Yeah. And in recent years, I've far surpassed... <laughs> My father's strength and <laughs> stamina. So, so I have not experienced you know, that yet. My yeah. dad is still going strong like an ox. Yeah. Um, but perhaps uh, before he dies, I may have the chance There's to kind of the shift a little bit. Yeah. Because you know? at some point it does change, right? right? Where it's like now you're providing service to your dad. Yeah. Um, for me, at least at this moment, I see I see what Freud is saying, right? Yeah. Like I think I'm a man until I stand next to my dad, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm still just a kid, right? I, I, yeah. All of a sudden, I feel like a boy. I don't feel like a man. Yeah. Um. And there's this idea that like, it's not just that. <laughs> it's not like you want to kill your dad, like <laughs> consciously real, or like, for real yeah, or any of that. Literally. But there's killed. this there's this tension. Yeah. Right within within you. Yeah, that's like you can't achieve your maximum potential if there's still someone out there who's above you. <laughs> there's a yeah. There's right? um, a person, a figure who represents sort of an authority over yeah. you. So in then, that in that sense, you're subservient to something, right? And there's sure. this desire to just break the bonds and just be free and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, I just I find that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think um, that's a great uh, way to read that. So when I read concept. this, and of course in mul the multiple games where this concept has like you know happened or evolved or this exact scenario has kind of played out, um, I'm slowly starting to kind of apply it this um, more mythological or archetypal kind of lens to it to like why did, why is this so appealing? Why yeah. is killing God so appealing for teenagers in particular? Well, I think in the existentialist view, it would be about freedom. It'd be about yes. achieving your freedom. Yes, which um, you can't do when yeah. you're under someone's thumb. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's, I think that's a really good way to, to, to look at that opening line. <laughs> I, 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 and I'm just going to say this. Well, I'm actually going to save a little bit of what I'm going to say about this for later when the robots start talking. Um, but I do think it's, if there is any weakness in Yoko Taro's writing, which is hard to determine when there is a whole element of localization that happens and it's not his native language you're yeah, reading it in. I, I wonder that. It's hard to judge that, right? Mm. But I, I do feel like he can be at times just like a tad bit on the nose. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just like, okay, a little more subtlety might have made this um, get the impact I think he's trying to get out of me with it. I but I think it's overcome by just the ideas being so fascinating. The yes, tone yes. is so good. Like, it, it's so unique. Everything just feels so kind of fresh. 
yeah. in his stuff that like it's it's not weak enough. It's not on the nose enough to be like cringy to me. But right. it's just like. Oh, uh, don't come quite as strong on that. <laughs> this line gives me a little bit of those vibes, but not nearly as much as later. So I'll get onto that. But okay. I, when you when you put it in that light, I actually feel like the whole trope of killing God in JRPGs, which is kind of a meme at this point, yes. um, yeah. maybe is is put into uh, a light where oh, that actually applies a little bit more than maybe you imagined it did, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, so, so you've actually you you've skipped over the first note I have though. You had one which before is the just the pause screen. The, <laughs> the quote. <laughs> it's just the pause screen. So what is it? No, the start screen. That's it. Yeah. Right. Continue and all that. That's, um, that's right. There's a lot that you can kind of read about this game just right there, right at the very beginning, right? So um, there's the sun that's trying to shine through dense clouds in a foggy atmosphere. Mm. You have everything is really desaturated and muted. Um, there look like the remains of, of buildings, like on the sides, and that, that plants are overgrowing, right? That nature is kind of reclaiming some what used to be uh, industry, yeah. you know, built by, by mankind. Um, there's a destroyed building. Uh, there, oh, yeah, there's a large river, and across from that is an entire city that's silhouetted. Um, on the screen are some vines, right? And then an unbloomed flower, kind of like mm, to the bottom right the in the middle. Important. The flowers are important. <laughs> and you you know this from um, yeah. some Drakengard and his Near. other Nier games. Yeah. Um, but it's not yet bloomed. It's like closed, right? Uh, but it hasn't yet bloomed. Hasn't opened yet. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, then you've got uh, a bunch of vines. Um, in the middle, we see the title Near Automata, which flickers as if something's like wrong, like there's digital interference or something like that. Yeah. Um, the text of the title is all in black and white. So you got everything white and then like a line and then everything's black, mm. right? So the black and white motif is going to be very important. Yeah, there's, you're going to see that a lot, that. And mm -hmm. especially in probably the, well, towards the end of the opening sequence, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so... There's some digital artifacting as well. Like the, it's so weird how they did it, how they created the title. I guess we don't have the title on here, yeah. uh, but it's in black, and you, you see like pixels and compression and yep. all this weird, you know, kind of effect going on. It's very yep. interesting. Uh, the eye in near, and the word near is a cog, right? So it's like a gear. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the digital, the mechanical, the industrial, and the natural all together in this scene. However, yeah. the battle between nature and technology, we see that nature is slowly eroding yeah. yep it's winning and it's eroding what technology has built yep. so the text after you select new game it gets all staticky and glitchy right and then the particles you see, there's a bunch of particles but they're going up they're not going down yep right so that's really important um they're moving upwards so things are not settling down on earth things are rising up things are detaching from earth mm. right and going upwards all right so that's the title screen there we go Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Oh, and I then a dip, notes on that. a dip to white, not a dip to black. Yeah, a dip to, to white. So you click continue mm -hmm. and everything goes white yep. instead of black. So yep. that's very important as well. Um, so I really, really liked this kind of opening sequence of the game. Yeah, I remember it was good. before I started the playthrough thinking, you know, based on just my memory of having played this years ago, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this opening sequence. I think near gestalts is a lot stronger in this oh, game. Oh, well, that's near gestalts true. might be it's like really one good. of the strongest <laughs> intro sequences 
freaking ever, but... <laughs> you, can't, you can't hold that as a critique <laughs> on this game. The standard's high there. Yeah, the standard is high. But d- even despite kind of having that feeling, when I started it up, I just got really into this yeah. right away. I, I was just kind of feeling like I was... I was Synchronizing with the rhythm of and uh, of the storytelling and the yes. pacing of it and the music. You know what's great? So you get it. You feel like you're getting it down. You're like, all right, I'm doing this. This is great. And then a massive red beam comes and just kills one of your teammates. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And then the gameplay starts to shift a little bit. Some harder enemies show yep. up. Some more complex patterns to avoid. And you're like, yeah, I'm getting this. Woo. And then. Boom, the laser hits again, kills another one of you. And it's just Mm. like, ugh, like trying to balance the fun arcade-like gameplay that this game has uh, with also the fact that, like, these are people. Like, once they die, their radio signals go off and everyone's like, we just lost 4B or whatever it is. (laughs) Um, Not 4B, but, you know. 11B, 7E, 1D. 4B is one of them, though. Oh, 4B is one. How about that? That, that 4B is the final one that goes down before 2B. But 4B, we see 4B later. Well, all these, I all of these, uh, I forgot, I forgot, all yeah. of these people get revived anyway. You're right. <laughs> Death it does not have the same meaning in it, this game, but it does have a pretty interesting twist it does. on the idea of death, it which does. we'll get to in a second. But yes, yeah. the, whoops, sorry, the um, the mission here is to basically go down to the surface, and they, they've scouted out this facility, this old machine facility, where uh, there's a Goliath class enemy that they're meant to take out. So that's kind of the um, the mission, the goal, the objective here. Yeah. So as they're flying down, like you're saying, it is like launching this giant laser beam that's taken us out one at a time. 2B is actually not the captain or commander of this squadron at the beginning. I thought that that was a really oh, interesting Oh yeah, point. you kind of assume that yeah, leadership later. Yeah, there's another later. ship that's, that's, that's white, and that's the rest right. of them are kind of dark gray. Yeah, yeah. And it's when, I think it's 1D gets shot down, and that was like yeah. the captain of the squad, that 2B assumes the captain's responsibility. Just like seamlessly, too. Yeah, it's and then just, just like, her uh, flight, whatever it is, flight suit turns white. Yeah, that's and right. And then that's like, she's cool. in charge now. Yeah, I like that. So that was pretty sweet. Um, and then everybody, everybody in the whole squad except her gets taken down. Yep. So she's the last one. And she sort of like breaks into the place, but, she, but her flight suit gets damaged. And so she's on foot. Yeah. She's fighting like this big buzzsaw arm. like, And uh, 9S in another flight suit, I think this is kind of an interesting point that he's actually in that because of something he says later. But he comes in and kind of helps her and, and introduces himself. So we get an introduction to two of our main characters here. And uh, he says, better make sure he's actually dead next time. That was dangerous, ma'am. You're 2B, right? My name's 9S. I'm here to to provide support. Now, I I wondered how much I wanted to get into this note that I had here. We we talked about this a little bit in Xenogears about, um, like, how dialogue is written for robots versus like human characters in shows like Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I forget. Like they kind of overdo the emotionlessness. The, I think the trope is called Spock speak. Oh yes, yeah, right? yeah. You're talking about that. Before. Yeah, that's yes, right. Yes, that's it. So they 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 had Saitan speaking very uh, robotically right. like that, and I was kind of giving my grievances about. It. I think he should yeah. talk a little more like a human being and less like yeah. a robot. But what's interesting is they don't do that for the androids in this game. The androids no, speak yet, very much yeah. uh, in a more casual style. And I thought that was an interesting choice. Usually, 
for characters like this, that's how yeah. they would try to separate them from someone having emotions or whatever, is they would make them speak in this very stunted way. Um, but uh, they don't really do that. Uh, they, they really right. s kind of speak naturally. But they kind of have this balance. They, they, they're not monotone, which I think if they had tried to do that, it might have been really hard to attach Oh, absolutely. The characters, in right? fact, I think they on purpose don't let you don't know that you're dealing with automatons or uh, what's the word? Androids. Androids. You don't know first, that you're maybe. dealing with androids until like basically 9S gets his leg blown off and you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's a robot leg, it's right? A robot. Like yeah. until that point, I, that's kind of surprising actually because yeah. you not only do you assume they're humans just because like they look like humans, but also, yeah, they talk and sound just like humans. Mm -hmm. And so it's really kind of surprising when yeah. you realize that these aren't humans and yeah. that. I don't know that I I feel like that um, can clue you into a lot of what Yoko Taro was trying to do with this game. Yes, right. Where when you realize they're robots, you're like, oh, whoa, robots. Well, that's weird. But I thought they were people. But can robots be people? Yeah. I don't know. And yes. that's like the central question. That's of the whole basically, game. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to understand what it means to be human themselves. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting, and we'll get into this when you see some of the machines starting to talk later, is they feel like they understand humanity. Yeah. And the machines can't. Yes. But the machines start exhibiting behaviors yeah. and language and things like that that show that they're trying to understand it. And then you start to question a little bit about, okay, how much do these androids really understand humanity? Anyways, it's a, yeah, great, exactly. it's a great question, but like, I love how they don't, in the way that they speak, they give them a very human sort of like cadence and rhythm and in the way that they talk, which yeah, allows you to good. be able to connect with them better. Um, so I thought that that was a good choice there. Um, but this was an interesting line here. So 9S says, scanners like me mostly work alone, scouting out enemy lines and all that. I don't usually get a partner. It's kind of fun. And she says, emotions are prohibited. Hmm. So there wouldn't be a prohibition on emotions unless it was possible to feel emotions. That's true. That's <laughs> so true. So that, they are programmed to have that potential. The androids have some capacity to hmm. feel emotion, right? Yeah. And it seems 9S is more open to express those That's right. maybe than uh, some of the other Nor uh, Yorha units are. Yeah. So he apologizes. Sorry, ma'am. And then she's <laughs> like, and another thing, stop calling me ma'am. It's unnecessary. Right. Right. So she, she doesn't like him being so formal. Just, Call me by 2B. He's like, all right, 2B, sounds good. So, <clears throat> let's see. Next note I took is, um, she says, this place sure is big. She's like running, because he goes off to sort of scout in the flight suit around and like gather map data and like yeah. send it to her later. And so she's on foot trying to infiltrate and find this Goliath class enemy. That's kind of what um, he does. 9S is, yeah, he's scanner, got the technical. Or, uh, scouter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she says, this place sure is big. And he says, I guess humans used it as a weapons factory, but now it's just crawling with machines. The enemy seems to have repurposed the facility to increase their overall machine production. So if we don't destroy it, they'll keep on coming. And then over the intercom, Tubi hears something. And she goes, what? And he says, it's just accessing random nonsensical data from the old world. There's no actual mm, meaning behind right. anything machines do. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's kind of a multifaceted thing I want to yeah. talk about. First of all, Minus will say that a lot. The idea of there being no meaning behind anything machines do. Yes, zero. Linking yeah. into this idea about meaning being inherent or right. not, the existentialist first 
right. the uh, essentialist view, I yeah. guess, right? The nihilistic well, as view. As we brought up before, does essence precede existence yes. or does existence precede essence? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Can the machines become right. human? Right. Do they get to determine that? Yes, or is the essence yeah. of what they are already what they are and there is no meaning to that? Exactly. So that's one part of that that I thought was interesting. The other thing is that this is the first plant that the machines are in an old human facility. They are accessing data mm. from the old human world. Right. And they are adopting cultural yeah. practices and ideas and speech from the old human world. Right. And that's just going to keep escalating yeah. through the game. But his first reaction to that is there's no meaning behind this. They're just accessing random data. But, it, but the fact that it continues to become not only more frequent that they do this, but more obviously not random. Yes. And like meaning, showing that they actually understand to some degree what they are saying. <laughs> so they access the human data and then they seek to embody it. Yes. And then they access more data and then they try to embody that data that they found. Yes. Right? It's very interesting. So this is like the first sort of setup for that, right? It's like the machines, it's almost like in every scene that we see up through what we're talking to today, they're just a little bit better at being able to understand what they're accessing from the old world and apply it in a way that makes sense. Right. So they're just beginning to do that or have recently just begun to do that. So that's great. That's pretty cool. I got to say, this is really good world building from the very beginning. <laughs> After the dip to white, we're, the, we're above the clouds. We go below the clouds. We're above the ocean. Yep. Then we're above the land. Yep. And then we land on the land and start running. Yes. Right? So you got light, water, land. <laughs> and then, you know, we... The, the, we fill the land. This is the so order. This is the order of, of creation. Which the this world is, was created. Yes, and this is in how. Genesis. And when the beginning of a game, you're creating the world of your game, and so it just makes sense that it would kind of follow that. Yeah, um, this is one of, another game that you were saying could fit into your whole video idea on uh, the birth of the hero. Or yes. Which one is it? The Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden yes. concept. Yeah. Yeah. The, right. the motif that is shared by many games. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> um, uh, but also it's really cool when uh, 9S shows up. He, he kind of swoops in and he's above, it's so interesting. He's above uh, 2B in a very interesting way that kind of makes him look sort of like an angel, right? Mm -hmm. Like he saves her and then he's like hovering above her, but he's in like a mech that's like totally black, right? Yeah. But he's something you know, like a guardian angel kind of thing for her, right? Yeah. So that's really good. Good stuff. Um, so here she kind of comes outside again oh. and she's surprised to see birds flying off in the distance. Yeah. She, um, or maybe is it 9S or 2B? 2B. <laughs> she so, says, is that? And then he's yeah. like, you mean the birds? <laughs> yeah. There's more plants and animals here than, than there, there used, used to, to be. be. Probably because the environment's changed. That's very good. Now this is what's it, what's really changed is, well, there's no humans. Yes. Right. Right. So no humans equals more plants and animals. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. That's right. Um, <clears throat> okay, so this is a part where she kind of, after this, she kind of comes up to that big bridge, and they're saying, oh, we didn't find the Goliath-class enemy here. Yeah. Across this bridge, this huge freaking long bridge going out to sea, there's another facility out there. Maybe we should try yeah, there maybe next. maybe it's there. But then it comes well, out. Well, 2B is like, it's it's not like them to be wrong. Yes. Right? Uh, the, for the data. To, yes. The, uh, what do you call it? Intelligence from... Yes. From command, right? Wrong. From headquarters. Um, that's really good. She has a lot of faith yes. in command. She mm -hmm. has a lot of trust. As mm -hmm. She does what she's told. She follows the orders, right? She doesn't ask many questions. If they're wrong, it's like, 
like, no, that can't be wrong. Yeah. Right. So there's a little bit of orthodoxy here. Sure. And she's right. They weren't wrong. <laughs> it, it, the, basically, the, what would you call it? The monster they were looking for was the factory, like yeah. in part, like part of the factory, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this massive, I think it's a Goliath. Do they call it a Goliath? Yeah, a Goliath class, yeah. uh, whatever it is. And yeah, it's the buzz, the two buzz saws. She fights that yeah, first. that was such a cool boss. And fight. then they get pulled back into the full thing as it stands up and it's it yeah. feels like those are the arms, right? Right. And then like 9S <gasps> joins her and they're kind of fighting together. She's on the ground. He's shooting from the air. He is. Until he kind of saves her, and this they do uh, games and anime and movies and everything. <laughs> they do this where it's like she totally had time to dodge the hit, right? Yeah. But instead, she doesn't dodge it, and it's like I think they're trying to convey the emotions and give enough time for the emotions of what's happening, yeah, and they're right. not trying to tell you that this is the exact timing of what happened, yeah. right? Because she so easily could have dodged that, but instead she stands still for like five seconds and just <laughs> looks at the thing that's about to hit her. So nine S has to like save her and knock the thing away but of course he gets jacked um yeah. in doing so and so he ends up um on top of the yeah. neck right the he neck has to like, like evacuate from his flight suit thing yeah and he just lands on the top of it so that's but, when we get on and we like climb the Goliath, yeah right that's really fun but uh, one important detail about him is he hacked the the enemy first and oh, used right. like its own missile system against it that's and right that's, that's like what point. pissed it off and so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like nine s's main ability yeah, I guess. he's a hacker he hacks into things yeah um and we'll get way more into that after ending a into kind of like the second part of the game but um anyway yeah he she after she told him emotions are prohibited she then displays quite a lot of them a herself lot. oh yeah as she goes up there yep. trying to rescue him right yep. um she like she ignores protocol from command yes right? because they're saying, oh, leave him, like, don't worry about him. Yeah, her, uh, her robot, the uh, Pod 043, I think, yeah, is the little pod. thing that follows her. It's like, and, hey, yeah. is not, there's no point in doing what you're telling me. Like, he, he can't be revived with those wounds. She's like, yeah. shut up, just do what I say. Don't talk to me, yeah. <clears throat> and that's, especially because of what happens later, that's very, very, very interesting. Yeah. One thing I want to say about Pod real quick, I, I really like yeah. how they use this character <laughs> as uh, <laughs> a means of... Um, like the rational... Yeah, but no feeling robot. Yeah, uh, the truly like unfeeling robot, right? As a source of humor and like lightning of tension. I think they they use this character really well for that. So there's a part where the enemy goes down under the bridge, kind of like dives under the water. And um, what he says is alert incoming enemy attack from below proposal. Evade. Proposal. Evade. Yeah. (laughs) Or hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. Or analysis. Yeah. That's so funny. It actually kind of reminds me of Mass Effect with the, yeah. who are the guys that can't show emotions? What were they called? Oh, the Geth. Is it the Geth? No, the, not um, the dudes. They look like weasels. <laughs> no, oh, no, you're the talking big, about the aliens. Sorry. The, the, the aliens that like, they have to say. They say how, their emotion. Because yes. they, they're monotone. Surprised. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or they have something to like mention, that. Like, I, this is my emotion. Now I'm going to tell you. This reminded me of saying. that when he that's says, funny. you know, hypothesis or suggestion or any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what that always reminds me of. Yeah. But so, um, as uh, 9S is like dying, essentially, uh, he speaks of pride yep. and the like, right? <clears throat> so he's like, oh, it was an honor serving with you and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And just stuff that you would expect humans to do and not at all robots. Yeah. Um, but so they may be androids, but for the purposes of this game, they are essentially humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where it's, of course, revealed that 9S is indeed not entirely human. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh Let's see here. So she has to take his flight suit. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and uh, fly up and finish the boss with it. But she hears the enemy saying, kill, kill, kill. Yeah, it's like and at this like, point, yeah. It talks yeah. like this has never happened before. Right. I didn't know machines had that kind of intelligence. Mm. So I think they've, they've planted, talking about intros and how important they are as hooks, yeah. they've, they've planted some really interesting mysteries in this one. And that is the machines seem to be adopting behaviors, language, cultural yeah, uh, customs, customs right. and yeah. things like that from the old human world and why are they doing that? And they're right. not supposed to do this and they're not even supposed to be really intelligent. They're supposed to be just <coughs> mindless automatons that yes. came and wiped everything out. By that same token, so are the androids. Yeah, sure. Right? Why do, uh, no. Why I, do? I get how, how Yoko Taro's choosing to tell the story. Yeah. But implicit in this whole story is like, yeah, but also you. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why do why you are think you, that why you're do you feel pride any in more serving? alive? Yeah. yeah, exactly. What what makes an android more alive than a machine? Yes, but then Yoko Taro would also want you to apply that same to human to yourself. What you makes should you more alive? Say, why are you more special then? And yep. you know he's he's good at that. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of that is being set up here, and uh, a lot of mystery behind what are these machines doing? Something's different. Something's not right. They shouldn't be acting like this, right? Yeah. So. She finally brings it down. You know, she took a lot of damage. She goes down where 9S is at, and uh, they're, you know, injured and, and three more of these yeah. things just like pop that was up really out of the cool. That, they, they, they show like a shot from like, you know, 400 yards yeah. away, just like looking down at them. And it's like you see these big Goliaths like rise up from the water and surround them. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, how, how like messed up she got. Through just fighting, fighting one of one. these, yeah. and now 9S is out of commission, right? Like, what's going to happen now? Yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't expect this. Now, once again, I have not played this game before. That doesn't mean I know nothing about it. <laughs> I, I did, like I mentioned, you yeah. and Landon, and I. it's been hard to avoid, you know, no spoilers about this game for six Stuff years. about it, yeah. I never thought I would play it, though. Mm. So, anyways, I wasn't too wary about spoilers. Um, but... I was not expecting this, the whole yeah. self-destruct thing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So they get together and it's like, Ooh, I guess we they're, have to do the thing. And black to, box to be didn't like want to do it, yeah. but it's like, we really don't have a choice. Yeah. Right. So they get close and they touch their cubes together and they blow up. And, and then they take out the Goliaths. With yeah. Them so they yeah. It's a big, a big explosion. Mm -hmm. And then they wake up on the space station. Yeah. And everything's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> what? a really cool way to like leave off an intro. Really the characters good. we just met died. Oh, wait, yeah. they're not dead. Okay, there's another mystery. Why yes. is that? And so you're, I think there's at a this couple point, good mysteries here. You're really pretty invested. I think so. This was a great what's intro. What's going on here? And it's pretty short. It's not like super yeah, long. And you're playing the game quick. Yeah. Oh, which right I away. Love. This I game's all about the <laughs> gameplay, the you, creative. You, you fun get gameplay. you get into it within. I would say I I don't know. I didn't count it, but within sixty seconds, not much yeah. more than that. You are actually playing the game, which yeah. is really important to me. I think Very that's huge. Important. I think that every developer should uh, get your players playing the game as quickly as possible in the intro and not drag it out with tons of exposition and dialogue. Yeah. So it does a really good job of that. Yeah, it does. Um, but also. As we transition to the space station, this is where it goes completely black and white monotone. There's no color um, mm -hmm. up in the space station. And so that was an interesting thing. Okay, why are they doing that? But then on top of that, not only do our characters seem to be okay, but 2B has all of her memories 
of what happened yeah, there. So she, she, she comes out and nine S is there. And it turns out that nine S had as, as well as he could tried to back up yeah. her memories at the expense of being able to back his up his own. own. Yeah. He, there wasn't a lot of bandwidth. It was, it took longer than, you know, it might've in a place like there are right now or whatever. Yep. Um, so he can't remember anything from that mission up no. to the point where he met her. Yeah, yeah. Up to the uh, but and, and she gets upset about this. So she is. She clenches her fist. And, yeah. Because it it just seems like it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. It seems like so not a big deal at all. Yes. Um, and they're explaining, and she kind of gets a little bit not cold. She's always cold, I guess. But she she doesn't really want to talk much about it. Where he's mm. like, "What did I did something happen?" And she's like, "And I yeah. don't I don't want to." I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, okay, that's fine. And then she, she gets really upset. And it's such an interesting thing to be upset about. Yeah. Now, I understand that. As mm. humans, this is what Yoko Taro is so good at. <laughs> like, we know exactly yeah. what she's feeling, right? right. But in, in the context of the world, it is a little bit confusing why yeah. she feels the way she's feeling. Right. But she's really upset um, at the fact that even though he's alive, it's not the same The same person, him. yes. And she's not the same her. Even though... And that's frustrating for her even though it's just a few memories yeah it's only like have. a few minutes <laughs> yes it's still oh that's this isn't the same person that i was just with who she yeah. had in a short time developed some kind of attachment right. to right and had been <gasps> really desperate to save yeah that's for right. whatever reason i mean mm. we don't know that for sure yet but it's 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 a it's a way to sort of turn the tables a little bit on the concept of death in yeah. the context of androids who can have their memories backed up. Right. But that still works and is really effective. Mm. So he's still dead to her in a way. Yes. Even yes, though the body right. is here. That's a good point. Even though most of his memories are here, yeah. my time spent with him in which we developed yeah. some kind of bond, even though it was short, is dead. And yeah. that person is gone. And that I, person's gone. That's really cool. That is really it's cool. really cool yeah. that like death still means something even to yeah. the androids, even if it's just losing a little bit of your memory. It's like, that's kind of what makes us who we are, are our experiences and our memories, right? right? Yeah. It's like the body, the brain, it, it, it's all, st it's, it's what you have, it's what you've experienced as particularly with someone else and shared with someone else yeah. and, and how those memories are shared between you that like, yeah. that make a relationship that make you the people that you are. So you take those away. You're not really the same person anymore. Right. right? I just e thought, even, it was, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just a little bit, that's it's like not the same. You, for the rest of your life, you'll be like, w w I'm missing something. Yep. Something's missing. Even if it was a few seconds of life, a few minutes, I'm missing something. And you just can't get rid of that feeling. Yeah. That, that feels just as precious feels after this con. Yeah. So death still has a sting. It still right. has, you that's know, true. a meaning. Um, I also uh, want to point out just the the embodied factor. Now we'll talk a little bit more about this with the guy in his left leg, right? Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> even though the body is so easily replaced, mm. you don't. They don't want to replace their body, right? They still feel like you aren't the same person if you're. You had to have even if all of your memories are stored somewhere, when they're put into a different body. It's not the same. It's still, there's still something missing, mm -hmm. something missing. And it's like, it's a, it's something that's difficult to put your finger on, but it's something and people can feel it and people know it. And that will, they will always feel incomplete because of that. 
I, I wanted so badly to make a connection with the first game on this point, but I'm just okay. not going to say anything about <clears throat> Yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> anything at all. <laughs> so, okay. Um, this is where the glory to mankind salute comes in. Uh, there's a few reasons for this. I would say that, uh, evolutionarily speaking, one of the suggestions as to why humans are predominantly right-handed, as well as chimpanzees, mm -hmm. um, is because the left hand is used for defense, the right hand is used for offense. That's, a pr that's like a, a simple way to kind of boil it down. The reason why the left hand is used for defense is because the heart is on the left side, mm. right? But when you cover your heart, um, it's a defensive move. You know, at least in part, it doesn't always have to be, but I feel like it is in this case because these are the defenders of, of humanity, mm. right? And so what they're defending is, is like the, the heart core of, of the, the heart. core of humanity, right? Yeah. They salute with the left hand and they, they cover their heart with their hand, um, which can be seen as like a defensive maneuver. And I think this has something to do with humanity just in general, like the heart represents humanity. Mm -hmm. And when they cover their hand with, you know, cover their heart with their left hand, and then they say, what do they say? Glory to mankind, Glory to mankind. right? Um, it's like you know, not only sacrificing themselves for mankind, but also doing this like kind of protective m motion over the, what I would assume, well, in humans as a heart for the yeah. androids, I don't know what's there. Yeah, sure. Um, but that's what that um, movement would suggest. Yeah, uh, Mix is saying that they give themselves up for the defense of humanity. Perfect, yeah. yeah. And that's essentially what she did there. She, they sacrificed themselves for the defense of humanity and, and they were able to embody that perfectly. Although 2B is upset about it. Um, she still, you know, carried it through. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, I took note of that shot where he walks away and she's tightening her fist, right? Yep. She's upset that that this friend that she had made is gone <laughs> or yep. that it will have to be reforged, but it's not really the same person. It's kind of a, it's just a different version of the it's guy. It's just different. And so. that's, that. this is a hard one. This yeah. is a hard one. And it's going to get harder for humanity going into the future. Um, as we determine what makes a human a human, right? Yeah. So we kind of come to the command center of this yeah. base here. I'm going to kind of read the quote from the Council oh, of Humanity that right. is on the screen here. Uh, this gives us a, a time and setting uh, a little bit, not, not quite for like when it's happening now, but at least we know it's sometime past this. So 5012 AD, the year mankind's glorious history came to a sudden and abrupt end. So I just want to yeah. make a note real quick. The first game happened in 3465. Right. So this so is well after that. This is way after. Yeah. Well, the part that they're talking about here is with the beginning well of yeah. the war with humanity and machines began then. Who knows how long it's been since then. Right. So 512 AD, the year mankind's glorious history came to a sudden and abrupt end when the world was invaded from beyond the stars. The aliens unleashed a new breed of weapon, machine life forms that all but annihilated human civilization. The handful of survivors that remained fled from Earth, seeking mm. refuge on the moon. Yep. Then, 5204 AD, so 200 years, 200 years after later. the beginning of this war, humanity launched its counterattack, deploying an army of androids from a network of orbiting bases. So if they had to flee to the moon, where'd they get the resources to build all this stuff? <laughs> well, <laughs> this my is question. 5000 AD, but in the context <laughs> of, of Nier, I don't know. I like, did they have colonies on the moon? I mean, again, I'm not trying to say too much about Nier's 
setting. Yeah. But there is an apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic setting there too. So it's not yeah. like humanity developed its technology all the way up to 50, <laughs> uninterrupted <laughs> to 5012 AD. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was definitely interrupted. So I had that question. Where are they getting the resources to build an Android That's army? That's a good on the question. Moon? And I look forward to talking about that in episode seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, where did I leave off? After more than a dozen large-scale descents upon the enemy, we still haven't managed to repel the invaders. That is why yeah. you, the Yorha forces, exist. To break this stalemate once and for all. You are our ultimate weapon, and you must put an end to this war. The ultimate weapons. Yep. So, Yorha. This yeah. is Yoru, Yoruha in Japanese. I've got the kanji for it. There is... Something online, I'm going to, I think this even came from Yokotaro, but I'm going to contradict it. <laughs> okay. So it is translated, Yorha is translated as um, passing leaf, right? Okay. And th that's sort of what these kanji could maybe mean. <clears throat> but they, they mean, it means other things as well. Okay. Um, I would look at this based on what I looked at with the kanji and say, okay, what's, what is Yokotaro trying to say here? Um, passing leaf doesn't work for me. <laughs> it doesn't make enough sense. But each kanji has like 10 readings, right? At least, sure. you know, in English, there's different ways to interpret it, right? So leaf can also mean like a sheet or like a sheet of paper or or a blade or mm. something flat, just like a flat thing, right? Okay. So like a shard or something like that, okay. right? And then the the word for passing, the very first kanji, um, it, it means it could mean collect, or it could mean to gather, or it could mean to approach something. Mm. So I would look at this and say, oh, Yoruha is gathering the pieces, or picking up, or gathering the shards. Of humanity's right? broken, glorious the, Exactly. Past. There is a broken, well, you know, the broken mirror, <laughs> and they're trying to put it back together. Yeah. Um, that so makes sense. That's, that's what I, and this is not canonical at all, but this is, this is a possible reading with the kanji. Right, and so I think this makes sense with the theme of the game as well. Yeah. Right, so to approach or collect leaves, or to approach leaves or to collect blades or shards, um, yeah. meaning to pick up the pieces. So that's really good stuff, I think. Um, did you get to talk to any of the people in that command center, kind of when you were? Um, when I you mostly were in there? just talked to the commander, not to okay. the other NPCs too much. The other NPCs have this like mouth covering. They have like a mask yes. that they wear. Right, and then also. We haven't mentioned yet, but 2B and 9S have a blindfold. Yes, on, the right? blindfold. Just mm -hmm. always wearing a blindfold. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't there's, know exactly there's a lot why. to talk about but, there. Um, yes. I don't know if you read this, but I there was a play, like a stage play kind of thing oh, for really? Nier no, that they notice. released before the game even came out in Whoa, Japan, I think. Um, but anyways... In that, apparently, which I've not seen, so I can't confirm, okay. but apparently in that, it's confirmed that these are like nanotech, um, like displays. Okay, um, right. So they're like seeing through like some kind of digital display through those blindfolds. That makes perfect sense. Um, but also right. there is symbolism wrought mm. in this about following orders blindly. Blindly about, following orders. Yeah. Not questioning, right? Yes. And then not, um, well, not hearing anything other than what, yes. what they're telling What they're you. told. Um, yeah. So there is that. Um, and I just find it fascinating. I don't know exactly 
Anyways, there is a refusal to see something yes. on the part of 2B and 9S. Yes. There is a refusal to say certain things on the part of 60, the operator. What's yes. her name? The girl. Yeah. Um, and then there's a refusal to hear things on the part of some other characters. So that that's, I guess, important maybe for later on. But it, yeah. it is uh, good to note, I think, that a lot of these operators are wearing a face mask and then our characters are wearing blindfolds. Yeah. It is symbolic. Yeah. But it sure. doesn't, it's not inhibitory in any way. Like no. she can still see mm-hmm. and the other, the other girl can still talk. Like these yes. aren't inhibiting any functions. They're only there symbolically. Right. Um, which is really cool to, to work in a symbol like that, but then still make it somehow within your world, like a practical thing, not just this looks yeah. cool. It's like, now if it were a know. human, I'd be, I'd have a problem <laughs> as an Android. It's like, I don't know how they perceive sensory perception yeah, of the right. world. Like I, this isn't as big of a problem for me. Yeah. And I think it looks pretty cool actually. <laughs> I, it looks sweet. <laughs> So I really loved the way that they did the settings adjustments um, oh with like gosh, the visuals yeah. and sound. Yeah, like, that was fun. This is almost in every game nowadays. They do I this know, like they every modern game. Because every like, plasma or LCD screen yeah. is like different. And so you've got to adjust your brightness yep. settings. It's so like one of the first things you ever do when you boot up a game is, okay, now yeah. uh, adjust your brightness so that you can barely see the one on the right and you cannot see <laughs> the one on the left. Yeah. Every game does this. Yeah. And so they do this in a way that like, places it into the story and because, it's kind of cool because we're freaking androids yeah, yeah right it just makes sense it's like, the oh, androids have tune. operating no. systems and settings and yeah. they're like computers a little bit right so they're going into their own settings yeah, and yeah. like adjusting them and and i love how they do that for the brightness but then it's like okay you need to go into the sound settings and like increase the voice right. until you can hear me and it, it no matter at what point you <laughs> do so that good. it'll cut into 9S's dialogue as he's speaking to her trying it's just oh, really yeah. cool because like it might take you a little longer or not to like right. get in there and actually start turning it up and so it's it's it just comes out so natural. He's like in the middle of a sentence, and it's just like turning up. It's like, oh, now you can hear me. That's good. Like it's just it's awesome. It was an awesome way of like taking that thing that they have to do at the beginning of every game, but then work it into the world building yeah. itself. It's so creative. It was awesome. But as Yokotaro is wont to do, he throws in this really subversive kind of like dark element to it as well sure. at the very end when 9s yeah. says oh oh your self-destruct settings are off so oh here <laughs> let me fix that for you okay now go into the menu you have to do this yourself turn yeah. your self-destruct mode from off to on like <laughs> oh, oh my gosh <laughs> like this is cool but also oh what is happening here like it just kind of um it offends the sensibilities just enough to make you kind of, you're still going to do it, mm-hmm. but you feel weird about doing it, right? Yeah. But you're not going to stop playing this game because of it. You know, like, sure. it's so awesome, you know, but you just feel so weird about it. Yeah. That's very good. Um, yeah, and uh, they, this is actually something you can do, too. I don't know if you've seen this, but you can remove your operating system chip kind of at any point in the game, and it just immediately takes you to the start screen, and it just kills you right away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I don't think I did that. <laughs> so if you mess with your operating system, because the, the this is another really creative thing they do. The whole progression system in the game is sort of set up as, like, you have a limited space, right, like memory yeah. or just capacity, and mm-hmm. you put different chips in that give you different bonuses. Right. But, like, there's a certain limit to that. You can't put them all in. You have yeah. to, like, take this one out and put this one in, and they all have a different amount of almost like memory that they take up, right? Mm. So some might be really powerful, but they take up so much memory that you got to take out a lot of other things. It's pretty cool. But your operating system has to be a part of that calculation no matter what. If you remove that chip, you just die. <laughs> so it's, it is, it's cool. It's great. That's funny. Um, I just saw something here, uh, 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 an article from space.com, moon packed with precious titanium. 
NASA probe finds. Um, according titanium to space.com, to a lunar worthless. probe found areas of the moon rich in titanium. <laughs> they consider mining it from the moon. Um, so, okay, let's say they've got titanium. What about all the other resources you copper. need to build? Yeah, copper was the big copper one. Copper is a big one for, Co for to, to build electronics, yeah. you need a lot of copper. So and silicon. Do and they have all that too because <laughs> metal is just one part of it <laughs> yeah right dude they'll make so the moon base will be made of titanium that's that's confirmed um okay so um, i also wanted to bring up um just the general look of everything everything is so black and white here yeah it is so desaturated i there's tremendous symbolism here yeah um but as you're up on the space station everything is black and white and then when you're down on Earth, everything is full of color and mm -hmm. vibrant and lively. Mm -hmm. But when you're up on the space black station, it's black and white. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the symbolism there um, a little uh, bit later. But it's my, my thoughts on that are uh, almost like worldviews yes. become yes. more totally become more nuanced. Yep. When they get down away from the military conditioning where they've yes. been taught like to the perceive, real fighting. Yeah, right? they've yeah, yeah. been taught to perceive in black and white. Yep. Uh, and so they you, find out it's not actually the way they were told it was. But that's just so natural. And, and I love this too, because it's like the further detached you get from earth, the more, color. I don't know, the more, you, well, detached though, the more color you lose, right? Oh. Um, so when you're on earth. Oh, from, when you're like, away from earth, yeah. Yeah, when you're on earth, it's like you're in it, right? And and you, there's, there's more meaning, there's more color, there's more vibrance, there's more uh, subtleties in sure. life, right? But then when you're, when you live this detached digital existence that's like separated from touching grass so to speak <laughs> or from you know from being on earth from from an embodied existence yeah. on on the planet that you were created from you know um then the more detached you get from that the more um i guess the less freedom you have in a sense um but this kind of goes both ways because so when your character is about to die everything goes black and white again right mm. now this is really good because as you are about to die you who cares about music and color right like you're you're fighting for survival mm -hmm. when you're fighting for survival things turn black and white yes that's a fact when you're right societies low yes but the game, even speaking white. like anthropologically right yeah. like a society that's about to die doesn't have time for freaking oh well, let's appreciate the nuance of like <laughs> no dude we don't have food you're gonna die yeah like you do what i say or we all die yeah right and it's got it becomes very rigid and very black and white, black and white. when you're fighting for survival when things get all comfortable right that's when it's like oh let's explore the color and and the poetry and all yeah, that stuff right sure. but when you take that take that too far and you detach from earth things get black and white again right mm -hmm. there's kind of like the spectrum between the nat the raw instinct that is black and white then the human freedom to rationally i don't know to perceive to the world the in, in varying ways yes exactly <laughs> and you know the existentialist stuff and then and then but but at some point you even go beyond that like that level then takes you to so it's <laughs> once again it's that kind of bell curve thing bell curve. where on the left it's black and white on the right it's black and white but in the middle it's all colorful and mm -hmm. stuff right so anyways that's kind of um that's what i'm seeing here but you see that that when you detach from earth um you know and, and once again it still comes down to survival um but when you give up to technology and you detach from earth you end up going into this like kind of this uh it, the black and white system just kind of returns like naturally it just uh, also the that kind of horseshoe political spectrum thing. yes once again exact yeah. same black point. and white same on point. the ends 
yep. in the middle of the horseshoe Shoot. is where that's where the color is yeah right? the color is and you could also see it as like yin yang right where you've got the black and white on both sides but then there's the middle path right that well that's synonymous with the straight and narrow path right the sure. the straight is the way and narrow is the gate right <laughs> um, so that's so that's such a good illustration yeah. between east and west by the way sure because in the east they're like oh this is the path then it's curvy and in the west yeah. it's like no it's straight and it just goes right there and you just it's straight yep. but the idea is that you don't go too far right you don't go too far left and that's what the yin yang as well that right. the optimal um, life is to be found uh, in between chaos and order right yep. not too much on either side yep. um, but that line is not straight but the the line is not straight in, in Eastern yeah. philosophy, right? And and this would, you know, in some place like Japan. But the idea is that that's where color is. Like, it's, it's not in, built into the symbol, but you would assume that as you walk that middle path, that that's where the greatest meaning is to be found. And that's a yeah. Buddhist philosophy right there. But you see color when you're in the middle, but you only see black and white when you're on either end. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Um, I like how 9S as he's doing maintenance on her, calls her ma'am again. He had forgotten that she told him not to do that, right? Because he didn't back up his <laughs> memories. Yeah. So she tells him again, like, stop calling me ma'am. It's too formal. Just Which is so deep. funny because later on in the game, he's going to tell her to call him to address him a certain way, yeah. and she won't do it. <laughs> so she's definitely got, like, a, an authority position over him, it seems. Yeah. Um, uh, There's some rando who's just talking, right? Saying, oh, wow, you did such a good job on your mission. Good mm. job. Try not to actually die, though, okay? <laughs> and that just makes me wonder, how, how does actual death work? I guess if your server that holds your memories, memories. gets destroyed, yeah. that, so they would have to attack the space station in order for you to yeah. actually die. Yeah, something like know. that. It's interesting. So they get called in here to talk to the commander about their next mission, which is to rendezvous with the resistance down on Earth and do recon work for them. But also, there is supposed to be a dedicated Yorha unit who's a contact for the resistance already. So mm-hmm. it's like, why are you sending us to do this? We have somebody who's designated right, to yeah, do yeah. that job. And uh, she tells us that they've lost contact with that designated mm. contact. And we also want you to look into that. What happened to our Yorha person who's supposed to be doing this job? You're taking over a job, but then also tell us where did she go? <laughs> so... so we, I have a guess as to who this person is, but we don't, sure. we don't, know, we don't know at this point. We do not know at the moment. We do not know at this point. Um, okay, so then they tell him, go get in some flight units, and this was really interesting. 9S is really excited to get into a flight unit, and he says that yeah. grunts like him aren't usually allowed anywhere near them hmm. because they're so valuable and they can't be mass-produced <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah. And so it's like, okay then why was he given a flight suit on the last mission? There's another oh, interesting right. mystery. That's true. Why was he in one, yeah. in the intro mission, if like his scouting units are not supposed to go anywhere near these things, why is he going on this mission with her is sort of a key mystery there. Yep. It's like he's just a scouting dude. Yeah. He's not like a combat unit like she is. Hmm. He's telling you right there, I'm not supposed to go near these things usually. This is so sweet. I'm going to... And so why was he, why is he doing it now? But also why was he doing it in the first mission? Why was he a part of that at all? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it was all Yorha units that are like to be that were in our squadron. Right. Like why did he just com- show combat. up there? Some scout dude in a flight suit like that they have when he's not supposed to usually do that. He's her guardian angel. Just an interesting question. It is an interesting question. To keep note for later. Okay, so they get down to the surface, right? 
The earth looks so crazy from above. Yes. It looks so cool. Yes. <laughs> I love it. The view is so sweet. It's awesome. And you're flying over the city and it's all the vegetation yeah. growing over the buildings. Growing over the top. so, so cool. Mm-hmm. So once you get onto the surface, um, there's some, there's a lot of really good dialogue from 9S and some of the other androids as you're just yeah. like running from place to place. I think they do a good job because this was their first kind of attempt at an open world game, right? And one of the biggest complaints you get with open world games from players is there's nothing in it i'm just <laughs> running yeah. from place to place there's nothing to do in between right i don't really share that particular feeling too right. often um i i'm a little bit like you where like yeah. the journey it's is fun, sometimes <laughs> part of the fun not necessarily yeah. having something some puzzle or fight to do like every to second always of the way. like i just appreciate the immersion in the world yeah at some point sure i guess it gets too much but i don't really feel that at all in these games yeah i appreciate the vastness of the world i, I especially with like um like wind wakers sailing a lot of people yeah, complain so about good. that being boring and oh, but how no, i will never understand i, know, I, I will it. never <laughs> understand it it is the, like the it. music that plays the swells of the ocean yeah. just it's um it's serene and therapeutic, I think, yeah. to just go sailing in the Wind Waker. Yeah, I agree. But one thing that they do here that I kind of like is as you're moving from place to place, they always seem to time uh, or pace information in a way that keeps you going like, oh, okay, I'll chew on that for a while while mm. you're just running from place to place kind of doing, you know, yeah. side quests or errands or whatever. So he, I, I tried to take down a lot of the things that are said in, in those sorts of transi transitory times when you're moving to the desert yeah. or moving to that place. So you're on your way to the resistance camp and 9S says, according to our intel, none of the machines in this area are hostile. Yeah, isn't that crazy? We've been seeing more and more enemies like this lately. They just stand there and stare into space. You it's know what? Weird. I was gonna. I have a note right before that quote that says, I came, I came across some robots that were not attacking me. Yep. So this happens even before he brings it up. Yep. You can see this, right? Mm -hmm. Some robots, they're just chilling. And that's the thing. They're just staring into space. They're doing doing nothing. Doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. You could say giving up. You could say that they're suffering from some type mm -hmm. of existential crisis yep. right um and so i think that's fascinating um also i just i gotta bring this up because there are sometimes these things can bother me it does not bother me in this game at all mm -hmm. but i do have to say that there would be almost zero visible trace of human existence after five thousand years but yes probably so we're about five thousand years um past this point yep um, it would only take 1,000 years for most visible signs of human civilization to just be completely gone yeah. based on erosion, earthquakes, plant life, animal life, like all this stuff would just, it would crumble all these buildings. Maybe for some very super concrete parts of the world, um, a few more thousand years, but by 5,000 years, like what we're seeing now would be the way a, a city, an abandoned city that humans haven't lived in for 500 years, maybe. Might look, yeah. Not 5,000 years. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. uh, but that being said, this is really cool and I love yeah. it and I don't <laughs> care at all. Like, I think it's sweet. I love what they're doing. Well, and it would not be the same game if they really had everything erode to the point that it Also, take into account that the machines are still here and they are. Are they keeping they, things they, up? Well, they were in that factory in the first part. That's a good point. Then. They had okay. totally like, I didn't think of that. They were using it to That's like true. manufacture more machines. That's true. So there could be some level of upkeep. I don't Fair know if they would Fair do enough. that for like an apartment complex. No, it but. seems that they didn't. Those <laughs> complexes are not in good shape. Yeah. So it, it, what you're saying would still apply to, yeah. you know, areas like that. But I do think that 
there's at least a point to be made that the machines are probably upkeeping certain structures to some degree because no. they live there and manufacture themselves there and like machines took over the world basically yeah so. that, ma- that makes sense um <clears throat> okay so once you reach the resistance camp here uh and a character named anemone is like the, enemy, the yeah. captain. I don't know if there was anything into that name. It's a very strange name. I've never heard it before. Well, a sea anemone. Is it anemone or is it an enemy? Anemone. 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 A sea anemone is the thing that the clownfish live in. It's like the little thing with like the finger tentacles. Oh. And then the clownfish, but it shocks other fish. Yeah, right? I've never heard But that clownfish, name. like in Finding Nemo, it's like yeah, their, yeah. their house. A, you know? I, I went to an aquarium recently. <laughs> there you and go. I, I saw that, but I forgot that that's what it's called. Yeah, it's called a sea anemone. Um, but I don't know what that freaking <laughs> means for this girl either. Uh, it's well, got to mean something. Some Well, there's other characters like Jackass that just... <laughs> Maybe they just take arbitrary human words as names. I don't know. Some of the names do mean something, though. Sure. Some of them do mean something. Sure. I'll, I'll get into some of it a little bit later. I think it's a little too early for that. Um, um, but yeah, that, that, but the way you said it at first, you said an enemy. An enemy. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of um, an anemone. <laughs> but that sounds like it could sure. mean something if it's saying an enemy. But. Uh, that's that's fair. Um, but she's she's kind of like... Not shocked, but just like in awe almost of Tubi. Yeah, she says, you're number two. You're number two. Very cryptic. She does not elaborate. No, because 9S is like, oh, you know about Tubi? And she's like, um, yes, well, the bunker told me to expect you, like, some excuse to, like, you know, deflect. So we are number two. There's something important about number two. Yes. I don't know what it means. But, But, yeah. But there's something. Anemone knows something we don't know. Uh, and she basically tells you, like, hey, you can go around and do, uh, you know, side quests for people around here. Yeah. Everyone needs help. Like, just They wouldn't talk, talk to, to us until we talk to her first. Yeah. Uh, but after we talk to her, she gives us, she gives everyone permission that, like, hey, these people are cool. Yeah. So you go around talking to them, picking up some side quests, collecting yeah. things, you know, uh, giving you some time to get around, learn the landscape a little bit. Yeah. Fight a few enemies here and there. Unlock some of those... Um, I don't know what they're called. I forget what they're called, but they unlock more of the map. They're like little vending machines almost. What do they call those things? They're like... Oh, those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't remember. And there's always like some machines Eventually it becomes like... You go and kill the machines and then you you unlock it. And then you can save your game at them or you can... Yeah. What are they called? I can't remember what they're they're called. called. But they unlock more of the map for you. Yeah. So you're going on doing that. Um, the music is so good. The music's amazing. It, I put that out for that too. <laughs> yes, at this point, um, it just takes me back to the original yeah, Nier. Apparently, yeah. this is the same woman. Emmy voice. Evans. Yep, the same, same musician. Yep, same singer. Um, and once again, I'm trying to figure out what she's saying. Yes. and I just have to remember it's not. It's a made up language. <laughs> she is saying something, but you will not ever know it because she has disguised the words so well. Yeah, and it's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Um, I wrote that the, 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 she is now kind of an integral part to the soundscape of a near game. Yeah, like, totally. If you don't have her yeah. singing some beautiful like little serene, piece beautiful, in the yeah. village or like hub area, right. then like it's, it's not a near game. It's not a near game. It can't be. <laughs> not it without that. Uh, but I, I thought it was great that they brought her back again. Yeah, me too. I don't think anything is going to top the track that plays in near Gestalt's village. Like that, oh, that was music so is just unbelievably good yeah but this is still great too i I really like this this track as well um 
I loved how there was an NPC here called Strange Resistance Woman wearing an yes. Emil mask. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, so hmm, my mask? It's an electromagnetic wave shielding device. I wear it to limit unnecessary information from the world. Now that's ha, crazy. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, she sells you stuff or whatever. She's just screwing around. And well, people are just doing silly things to, to what, are they bored, right? Or something like that, right? Where it's yeah. like, I don't know, I'm not... I've been here around, I don't know how old these androids are, that's but centuries, the, that's, at least That centuries, is definitely right? something to keep in mind is these are pre-Yorha yeah, android that's units. Right. So they could be a thousand so years old. They've been fighting yeah. down here against these machines for longer than the Yorha have existed. Yeah. So it's been a long time. And, and they kind of they kind of give off that vibe, like they're a little bit more relaxed, uh, I guess, or, or just um, not as rigid as like the Yorha military is or seems to be they're 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 a little bit more I don't know there's there's not a sense of urgency from them in the same way and that could come from fighting for a longer time and not really getting anywhere right that's true yeah the yeah. uselessness so the futility of the whole futility situation of of the of the fight that they're fighting um okay so i took down this dialogue here the Council of Humanity has a message for all of our brave androids fighting on the surface. This is after, ah, yeah. sorry, I, I should mention that this comes after you've done some of the errands and gone back, talked to Anemone again. And she's like, hey, we've heard about um, a huge mass of machines gathering in the desert, uh, more than usual. Um, we want you to go check that out and like gather some intelligence for us, find out what's going on there. We think something big is happening. So you're on your way there to the desert. And then this broadcast happens from the Council of Humanity. The Council of Humanity has a message for all our brave androids fighting on the surface. Currently, our struggle against the machine life forms is at a stalemate. This battle has raged for far too long. I am sure all of you find the effort grueling, but now is not the time to give up. Now more than ever, we must forge on. Remember that several hundred thousand humans on the moon want nothing more than, than to return to Earth. Glory to mankind. And then 9S says, these council broadcasts are always so stiff. And Android <laughs> An says Android. <laughs> <laughs> that these broadcasts are stiff to so apparently funny. a human on the yeah. uh, Council <clears throat> of Humanity. Now, I, I'm not sure like how I want to go about reading into this other than drawing on some of my own experience that I'm, I don't necessarily want to get into so much. But this felt a lot like the sort of speech I would hear <laughs> when I was a missionary, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, it's, I know it's tough. I know it's a grueling thing. Sure. Well, like, <laughs> people, people need to be told certain things. Like, you got to keep going. Yeah. You can't give up now. I would say, gosh, I would say people who, if anybody, if people have ever been in the military. Military. You, you've probably, probably had that speech a hundred times. Even worse, yeah. Or, or a sports team, right? Yeah. If you ever play basketball yep, and sure. it's like, I think I have a theory that it's the exact same speech given every halftime, every halftime, like warm, like pep speech. It's mm -hmm. the same speech every single game. Yes. And I've, I've been a coach <laughs> of like a, a small level yep. team before, like teenagers yep. and stuff. Um, but I remember every time at halftime, I'm like, guys, we just got to push <laughs> it a little harder. We're almost there. We're up 12. It doesn't matter what we're, we're down 20. We're, <laughs> we're still going to give it our all. Like no matter what it is, it's the same thing every yeah. time. And it's rote. It's it's predictable. But, but it but it 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 um it's like glue. It's it's something that does in some way help to adhere a group. 
together in, in the same goal, right? You gotta, yeah. You've got to keep pounding in, like make sure that we're all, we all have the same goal. We're all sharing the same struggle. We're all going through the same thing, but we, but we're doing this for a reason and, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, be stronger because of it, all that kind of stuff. It, it adheres you to like a higher principle that makes the group more cohesive, I think. So the, the direction I was going to go with this, there's <laughs> a funny way that the collector has put it. Yeah. So I'll say this first because I think it's hilarious. He says 2B, but I think I would put input the Council of Humanity instead of 2B, spreading okay. that android copium. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind right. of what it is. After thousands of years, yes. it's totally copium. It's, it's yeah. propaganda uh, in the form of copium yeah. to get people to keep pressing forward. But what I thought about while this broadcast was happening uh, as I'm playing the game was a little bit about what we touched on in episode one. Yeah. About how I've come to the conclusion that humanity actually hates peace. Right? So has Yokotaro. <laughs> I have a quote from him I'll read later on. But yes. Um, that uh, if things yeah. are too peaceful for too long, and you, you kind of see this in the cycles of civilizations anyways. That's when revolutions are, that's, I don't know. There's Yeah. yeah. It's like if, if things are too peaceful and too easy in life, um, people seem to find a way to create problems and tensions and things yeah. to overcome, right? They, it's yes. almost like in order for us to feel like we have a purpose or a meaning yeah. in life, You've we have to be have a villain struggling against something. and something yeah. struggling to overcome. Yeah. And so that's why the Sisyphus analogy is so good. <laughs> yeah. And so despite the fact that this is very rote and repetitive, and you've heard this a million times, there is something about it that is kind of integral to people finding or feeling like they have a purpose yeah. or a reason to fight. Right. Like even though it's hard, it's it's what gives you a reason to live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was it that uh, Camus said that quote we read um, last time where the, like whatever is keeping you from killing yourself yes. is the meaning of life or something like that. Is the like meaning that? of well the um, <laughs> the only true philosophical question is whether or not to right. end your life. Yeah. And so I feel like this works because people need to feel like, yes, this grueling thing I'm going through, it's so hard, but like, I need to keep doing it. I need to keep yeah. doing uh, what's can't difficult up, and hard now, because yeah. if I did and we just stopped fighting the machines, well, then what purpose would there be yes. in life? Well, That's a big can, part of this you know, question. To, to your point earlier about the propaganda... That's essentially what I heard from the U.S. government about why we can't withdraw from Iraq yep. for 20 years. Yep. They said, well, what about all the people who've already died fighting there? Mm -hmm. We'll be disgracing them if we pull out now. Yep. And for 20 years, I heard that exact propaganda line until finally um, we pulled out and it was a disaster. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe, maybe I'm thinking more of Afghanistan. Either Afghanistan, way, though, it's yeah, a, it was a similar I, I, yeah. <laughs> line of reasoning. Where Middle like, East. What about the yeah. Battle of Fallujah? Oh, and that was, you know, we can't let it go. You know, we can't. But w at some point you talk about what is the um, the idea of water under the bridge or yes. a sunk cost. Yes. Sunk costs yeah. are irrelevant to future decisions. Yes. So. Should be, right? They should be. They aren't. <laughs> the way humans work, they aren't, but they we should don't. We, we tend not to, but uh, yes. it's, life's a lot easier when you live by that. It is. It is. Um, instead of hanging on to... Like, well, but I fought this hard all this time. Is that for nothing? No, just forget about that. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's no longer worth doing. Right. Anyway, uh, again, I feel like good. the steady, uh, 
pace at which they are building. It's almost in every scene. And even if it's not a scene, even if it's just traveling from one area to the next, they are slowly like layering on this core theme we've identified in yeah. episode one. And so I'm just yeah. trying to keep an eye on that in each time that they sort of they touch keep, on that. Yeah, another and hammer let's, hitting let's, the nail. Let's spread another <laughs> layer of icing on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's just uh, go a little further with it, so. You know what I love too about um, the fact that the bunker is up in outer space, yes. right? Because you would think a bunker is down below ground. Um, you go up to this outer space place um, and this is where from this is from whence these propagandistic messages are emanating. Yes. Right. So mm. the messages are coming literally. They're coming from heaven. Right. So oh, you you've you know we've got some more words for you um, from from above from on high mm. essentially. And and this is this is what you know we need to hear to um, you know be able to uh, move together in unity above this like principle that's literally you're like from the skies right from yeah. the stars right. from outer space. Yeah. I think it's really good. Yep. Good stuff. Okay, so when you get into the desert itself, you start getting attacked by more machines that are wearing clothing, and they are saying some pretty uh, unsettling things. Yeah. Um, so, Tubi will bring it up. These machines are talking. Yes, and they're saying like, ouch, that hurts. Yes, or, or I'm please, scared. Please stop, yeah. Or enemy, scary, Yeah. things like this, right? Exterminate the enemy. Uh, so 9S responds to that. Yeah, I heard from the resistance that they've been seeing this a lot lately. Couldn't tell you why though. And then they're, you know, they keep going and she's like, they're, they're saying things like, no, stay away. Yeah. And, uh, I think Tubi says, what's with these weird outfits that they're wearing? And 9S says, I've seen that sort of thing when I was going through some old data. It looks like what humans <gasps> used to wear long ago. Yeah. Certain human collectives used to use face paint like that too. Right. So these machines are adopting, like we said, cultural customs yeah. and behaviors from humanity's past, which is data that they have access to. They're saying things like, scared, help me, help me. Tubi is just alarmed by this. And he, again, Tubi, it's fine. Their speech doesn't mean anything. They've just, mm -hmm. they're just emitting words at random. If they wanted help, why would they be attacking us? So I love how there's, hmm. I love this line. Because the first part of it, I go, hmm, don't think so. The second part of it, well, there's some truth to that. So you don't right. know what to believe, right? That's true. Because he's saying they're just emitting words at random. But it doesn't seem random. No, like, it does not. It wouldn't, if it was no. random, they'd be saying sand, water, yeah, blue, earth, wood, yeah. sky, <laughs> clothing, fire, beach face. Like, <laughs> that, would be, that would be random, right? That, that would be random. No, what they're saying is relevant to what's happening. Yeah. So it's not totally random. <clears throat> but at the same time, if they wanted help, why are they attacking us? There might be something to that where it's like, okay, maybe yeah. they're kind of picking up on what they should say in this situation, but sure. not exactly. Right. They still haven't quite understood how to use this language the right way yet. And who, But whoever said that when people are scared, they don't lash out or attack? Sure. Right. That's true as well. That's a, a snake in a corner or sure. something, you know, yeah. like it's scared of you, but it's going to bite you. Right. Yeah. So I, this is what I was referring to earlier when I said some of the machine dialogue, I feel is a little too on the nose to be quite as unsettling as I think it's meant to be. Um, 
I, I feel like Taro sometimes just overdoes it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, he does. help me, help me, help me, scared, scared. Whereas, like, if it had just been one guy goes down, you stab him, and in the middle of the day, he's like, help, I'm dying, or yeah. I'm scared. Even just that, I'm scared yeah. as a robot dies. Because the dialogue tends to repeat. Throughout yes. As for as long as it takes for you to kill them, every yeah. minute or so, it's like you're going to hear it over and, and over. And we've gone over this a thousand times at this cent- yeah. at, at this part at this point. But repetition loses impact. You lose impact on something yeah. the more you repeat it. That being said, I don't think it's a huge issue. It's just something that came to my mind. Sure. sure. I think it could have been a little more subtle than this. But um, okay. So then they come to a place <gasps> where there's a ton of android bodies sort of gathered, yeah, and the right. pod four three says hypothesis. They were killed by local machine life forms. It's like, okay, duh. <laughs> but what are they doing here? It's like they were gathered here, says 9S. So yeah. these machines are like taking android bodies and like gathering them to this place. So you keep going down below into this structure. And the machi- this part this part was pretty unsettling. I like oh, this. Oh, yes, it was. So this was crazy. You have a machine rocking an empty cradle. Yeah. Saying child, 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 yeah. child. And others are sort of making the best attempt they can to reenact sexual acts. Human things, yeah. yeah. Saying, my love, my yeah. love, together forever, yeah, things like this. Yeah. They don't, it's just obvious they don't quite get Clearly. what they're doing, yeah. but they're at least in the right ballpark about it. Right. So they're evolving. Yeah. They're, they're making strides toward getting what humanity was all about. And they're completely ignoring us until yes. we attack first. Right. You can wait a while before... That happens. And at this point, I start throwing 9S's BS about them not knowing what yeah. they're doing out the window entirely. It's like, okay, this is not random. This is way too directly correlated with what the thing they're trying to represent is. Mm. They understand. They have intelligence to some degree. You can't yeah. keep using you that excuse. Yeah, you can't deny it. He keeps trying to, but it's like, no, dude, that's not how this works. So you go down and you start attacking them, and they get pissed, and they're like, oh, I'll get you for this kind of a thing. They start saying that, right? There's a sense of vengeance for having killed my baby almost in, in their retaliation. But then they start acting all erratically. They start converging together and doing all this weird stuff. And there's this birth that happens from inside the machine. <laughs> it's freaking insane. And this, what looks like an android body is born. Um, it's naked, uh, long, silver hair. But yep. it looks like them. And, and But but Tubi says, it no, like human, it's yeah. not. Or maybe 9S says, no, it's not an android. It's a machine for sure. But why does it look like us, right? And I love how. The, remember how we talked about? Jeez, uh, what would this have been in? I can't remember which podcast about the whole like the second you're born, you're being attacked, and oh, like how gosh. freaky that is. Yeah, which one was that? that yeah, yeah, we were talking yeah, about the um, the BBC documentary. Yes, um, the lizards. Planet Earth Two. And but the I lizards can't... get born, and like the second they're born, snakes try to eat yeah. them, and they have to try to escape to the sea, or else they like die the second they're born. And like imagining how crazy that would be if the second you're born, you're like being hunted, yeah, <laughs> and you have to right. like have survival instincts immediately and run. <laughs> that's basically what's happening to this thing. Yeah, like the second it's born is being attacked by androids, yeah. and it has to uh, evolve very quickly. You could say that um, that would have affected the way that this character perceives the world. Yes, as well, for sure. That as and soon as it's born, androids. <laughs> it has to fight. Yes, and yeah. particularly androids, because uh, spoiler alert: we are not able to kill this individual. No. Um, 
And, but he, he keeps evolving. He keeps getting better and better. Yeah, keeps getting better at fighting us the more yeah. we fight. And so at 9S is like, you got to take it out quick. It's, it's learning. It's like learning yeah. from us. It's like, so it's saying things like, androids, like, why at, fight? Why are you fighting me? And at first, the voice is really digital yeah, sounding. Garbled. It's like all garbled. But eventually, he, the voice starts sounding more and more human. Mm -hmm. Right? Very interesting. It's like this individual is learning from us as we're fighting it and talking. Yeah. He's learning, oh, this is how humans do things and, and all of that, right? Right. So we're training it to fight us. Right. And then as you're fighting and it's adapting, it says sword, dodge, projectile, deflect. Yep. So yep. it's starting to deflect your projectile attacks. And then it gets a lot harder attacks. at that point. It's like, ooh, it's <laughs> like the fight's becoming harder. Yeah. And then after they, I put quote unquote, kill it, right? Blood yeah. is flowing everywhere. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And Tubi asks, is this really a machine? Right, because it bleeding. seems like a person. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is crazy, right? And then a second android, and I don't know, how much further is it before they reveal the names of these characters? I wrote the names down, um, but... It's, it's before ending A, right? So people, I don't we told think people it's a huge that. spoiler. We can say their names say now? Say their names. Okay. I don't think it's a huge spoiler. So later, we, we, these characters are called Adam and Eve. And Adam and from Eve. the rib, from, from the his side chest, from, yeah, his yeah, of, ribs. Uh, the dead person android machine we just killed a second one is born yeah. right this is basically straight out of the bible from the from the rib right from yeah. The, yeah genesis 3 i think yeah right um, so eve is or born two. yeah three um this is um oh they're both they're almost identical right yes there's like, like maybe mirrored, their hair's a little different they're but, mirrored a, yeah, a bit but they're, but they're basically exactly so. basically identical they look somewhat androgynous yes right they are they presented as male but they're naked and they aren't com completely male yes. you could say um and they have really you know long hair and some feminine features um yes. but they are clearly men so there's some androgynous thing this actually brought me back to um an old proto indo-european myth um there's something called the orphic egg mm -hmm. and this was in some uh, greek you know like um religions from a very long time ago <coughs> But the Orphic egg uh, gave birth to a, an hermaphroditic being, basically something mm. that something that was both, that then um, you know, kind of continued the process of creation. Um, but Plato has ideas of this nature. Plato said that uh, mankind was initially both together until they got separated. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, so, anyways, I, when I see this, I, I kind of my mind kind of goes here a little bit. Um, the concept of a cosmic egg giving birth to a being that's neither male nor female comes from ancient um, proto-Indo-European mythology, right? So in this case, the robots who form a singer, single unity, a hyper body that is capable of giving birth to one who will protect them, right? Mm -hmm. But also capable of giving birth. So it's like none of them individually gets what it's like to be a human. Yes. But all together, the collective of each of them sort of trying and in different ways trying can... E essentially equal like one human right yes, right <laughs> so it's something like that something like that is happening here um so but but also this being is incredibly powerful so you could say that the reason they even did this in the first place is because they were just getting slaughtered by yes. 2b and 9s and so it's like they they needed something to uh have some hope in some to have some faith in something that can protect them right yeah. so adam is essentially born um so this is a god of sorts like the ancient Greek Phanis, also called Protogonos. So proto means first and gonos or genus. Sometimes it's called protogenes, which is the same thing, or so, similar thing. Uh, gonos means seed, 
genus means birth, but it's where the word gene comes from, mm. right? Um, so um, essentially, protogonos was the first birth or the first seed came from this Orphic egg and is um, a hermaphrodite, um, according to the you know Proto-Indo-European mythology. Yeah. So um, he uh, in. Oh, yeah, so he is literally called the first seed or the firstborn, or in Judeo-Islamo-Christian terms, Adam, because Adam's name is, it means mankind. It just means like all of mankind. Yes. It means everything, right, right? Uh, when it's used as a noun, right? One side of whom was Eve, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the, the Hebrew word that's used for what we know as rib, mm-hmm. it essentially means side, right? It says yeah. God took from the side of Adam yes. and and. And that's where Eve comes from, right? right? So, you know, if you want to take it literally, it's like Adam means mankind. And then God's like, hey, this side (laughs) are all females. This side are males, you know? And it's like, you can imagine there's like a thousand people in front of them or something like that, right? Like, I'm not saying that this is the only way to interpret the Bible. This is just a way of reading, you know, this text. Um, I have a little bit here. Okay, yes, this is good. So God took Eve from the side of Adam. Eve, of course, being Adam's other half so that they could reunite in one flesh, right? Very interesting. Um, Some could read this text as Adam having been hermaphroditic at first and then was separated one side from the other into two peoples. I don't know if that's a legitimate way to read the text or not, but I think um, that interpretation might be valuable for near automata, at least. Um, So that's what I've got. Um, the fact that Adam means mankind, essentially, is very interesting given Yorha's motto, which is glory, yeah. glory to mankind, right. right? And so they, these robots have created the essence. They found the essence of a human. Yes. And then made it exist, right? So essence preceded existence in this sense, right? They had to get an idea of what it was, and then they were able to create this, this thing, right, that now exists, right? But that is sort of a... A pretty like pretty human looking kind of kind of being here. So So I have like three things I want to say here. Hopefully I can remember them in (laughs) full. It's all good. Um, First of all, I forgot to bring up the this cannot continue line, which I thought was Ah, great. That's right. All the robots are fighting you and then they start going crazy. This cannot continue. This This cannot cannot continue. continue. This cannot continue, which I think would be a great title for this episode by the way this cannot oh, continue but that's what they do when they like gather up together it's like a really iconic line I'm from the game that this cannot continue thing this so cannot continue. um this cannot continue is, is is of all the robot machine dialogue this is like my favorite one so far it's just yeah it's unsettling in in a way that's just like man like something is going on with these things and i should not be killing them like this indiscriminately like right. <laughs> they they are feeling something about what i'm doing to them right so it really gets that point across the other thing was in regards to the androgyny or mm. uh, possible sexless nature of adam and eve at this time right. i think i'll have more to say on this after reading the second sex um, from Simone de, de Beauvoir or de whatever. Beauvoir. However, yeah. I don't know how to say these names. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Not French. French is hard <laughs> for me. There's uh, a reason I gave it up for Spanish in high school. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I think there will be more to say on that because that character or the character based on that um, philosopher will come up in the next episode. In the next episode. Yeah. And I, I think oh. there's probably something there to be read into what you're talking about with the they're not born a certain way. They sort of become 
Yeah. Which is, again, an existentialist sort of philosophy, right? Right, that's That true. you yeah. choose yeah, what you yeah, are. Yeah. You aren't born. There's not an ascent. You're not the essentialist philosophy would say you're right. born a certain way and you were designed to be that. And yeah, yeah. because you teleology. have this part, that means you are this. Right, yes. And it was destined before at birth or before yeah. birth or whatever. The existentialist view is no. Um, the, the, the essence of me is created by me, by the choices I make right. in my life. So, uh, I think there's something to that too, as these machine androids that were just born begin to make choices. Right. And try to conform to some idea of what they are supposed to be. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So I feel like the, the existentialist sort of philosophy will kind of come through them throughout the game. At least I'm expecting that. Yeah. Um, and the third thing, I don't remember. So I'll have to Dang come back to another time. <laughs> but um, the place starts to collapse. And, oh, the, I remember the third thing. Oh, yeah. The third thing was the second being, which was Eve, that came from the side of Adam, mm. definitely has a much more chaotic level of... Yes. Um, emotional expression it's it screams at us and the whole place starts coming down that's right it was not as sort of um i don't know what word to use but again we're talking about the yin yang here right yes. yeah, and yeah. then the the yin being the feminine side and feminine is not gender we're just we said this a billion times hopefully yeah. you watch the last episode you get more about that uh but eve representing the feminine adam yeah. representing the masculine yeah um in the yin and yang uh this, the, you have like the obsession with logic, the orderliness, yeah, yeah. the needing order or, or establishing order on things being the yang side. And the way that that machine was fighting you was very much almost a logical approach. It was yeah. like, wait, I'm analyzing you as you're fighting me. Why are yes, you doing this totally. to me? Yep, okay, yep, yep. if you do this, I should do this. Okay, if you right. do this, I should do this. There's very a very yang approach to how it interacted yeah, with yeah. us. As soon as Eve came out, it was just, is <laughs> super chaotic, right? <laughs> yes. And, and, so, and that will carry on. There's another way that you can kind of see this happening, that Eve is a lot more in touch with kind of maybe the more emotional side of humanity, whereas Adam is um, more in touch with maybe the culture yeah. or the uh, a, a different view yeah. of humanity. And you'll see that as they start like wearing clothes and things. Yeah. I'll, I'll be bringing that up throughout the, yeah. Throughout and, the and so there's podcast. a very kind of a yin yang aspect to these two yeah, characters, I, yeah, I so. um, which you're getting the Western and Eastern kind of mixed into how these characters are presented here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was the other thing I want to say. Now we're going to kind of wrap up here because the place is collapsing. You're having to escape. Um, Eve picks Adam up, like lifts Adam up, and that's right. They get away, you presume, yeah. um, while you're kind of escaping. And it's like we got to get somewhere where we can get a better signal because this is crazy the way these machines are behaving, and we got to report this. <gasps> yeah, uh, they need to know what's going on here. So you're getting out to make that report, and I then love it. it's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> like ten thousand years in the future, you yeah. still need to get service. Yeah, I just think it's funny. They also still have books, apparently. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um. So we got, so you're, you're told to go to another area and do some more investigation there. Yeah. Um, it's a but place you, with more vegetation, yes, more uh, that's right, plants that's right. and stuff like that. But you're always um, returning back to the resistance camp because they send you on quests yes, and stuff right. and all that. Um, um, 9S brings up an interesting point that those characters from earlier were humanoid in form. Yes. He asks why robots would make themselves look like humans, right? Yeah. Because androids 
are made in the image of humans. Yes. Yes. That, right? that, that's the line as, you, as you're going to the next place. So to be those machines out in the desert looked like androids, right? But we androids were modeled after our human creators. So why, are, why would machines try to look like us? There's no point trying to work out unsolvable problems. Yes, 2B is like, <laughs> enough with that. Uh, once again, yeah. 9S does embody more of the yang, and uh, 2B embodies more of the yin. Not not all the time, though. Yes. Not all the time. But in certain ways, it's actually the other way. You're right, right in yeah. certain ways, because um, she is a lot more, what would you call it? Less emotional. Confrontational. She's yeah. more. She's easier to go up and like... Well, she's more of a Dude, fighter, whereas yeah. he's more of the stay back and, and watch and analyze, right? Uh, but he does have these... You know these questions and yes. these he he's perceiving these things and and two B is kind of like yeah don't ask questions right don't yeah. worry about it don't you know don't don't let your feelings get in the way yeah right, right. Uh, of course then she has her out, out um her her feelings kind of crop up a lot as well yeah in certain points um but also this is good because if androids are made in the image of humans androids were thus made to serve humans being made in their image right mm. so why would robots be made in that image as they want to destroy humans <laughs> there is a you know a Mystery there. A big yeah. mystery there. Yep. Um, I do want to bring up before we finish off this one, uh, as you go back to the to the camp, right? So the resistance camp. Mm -hmm. There's the one guy, you go back to the weapons trader, you do some stuff for him, and he's like, oh, great, I can make more weapons now. But then he kind of asks this question. He's like, you know, I don't know that I really love making weapons. Like, I make weapons so that you guys can fight better. But yeah. what if getting you better weapons makes you die all the faster? Mm-hmm. He's just kind of one question, you know? <laughs> and then and then he does it right. He's got a job yeah, to do. He's right. been doing this for thousands of years, probably. Um, but he's wondering, like, the better weapons I get, the better weapons everyone gets, and then the quicker everyone dies. Yeah. Um, then there's the guy with the left leg. He's talking about, oh, I'd love to go be able to dance again, you know, and because we're asking him questions about his leg, and he won't he won't really talk to us much. But I think after we get him some of the stuff that he wants for his quest. You know, he opens up to us a little bit. Yeah. And he says, well, okay, truth be told, my left leg is original. It was the same leg that I was initially created with. Mm -hmm. Every other part of my body has been replaced or different nuts and bolts and, you know, fixes and repairs and upgrades, but my left leg is original. And because yeah. of that, it doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's how it is, right? So... This is the ship of Theseus problem. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like if you replace every part on the ship of Theseus. Is it really the same? Is it still the same ship? I've actually right? had those thoughts about myself because there's a certain point in which all the cells in your body yes. are no longer the same as yes. the ones you had when you were born, right? This is true. <laughs> um, this isn't 100%. It's like 99%, yeah. 98% true. Um, so it's like every seven to 10 years, your your bones, your a lot of the cells in your body like are totally regenerated, yes. right? Some of your body is regenerated like every two months, right? Uh, but the neurons in the, specifically the frontal cortex, I think, of your brain. Oh, those can live to those, be Those, I believe those are just, they, they never die or are reborn. They just mm, are always okay. constant. But other than that, yeah. Every other cell in your body is completely different from what you were born with. Yeah. But yet you would still say that that was me. Yeah. It's, back then. I have these thoughts sometimes of meeting somebody who was a friend in high school or yeah. somebody even before that. And it'd be like, dude, I'm just not the same human being. Anymore. Not like even in physically. the literal sense, I am not. Like, it's I'm true. a totally different person now, and so are you. And like, we haven't had contact in all this time. We grew apart or whatever. It's, it's just something I've thought about. But yeah. yeah. So the ship of Theseus, um, eventually the only thing that's left is the name, right? Yeah. You, if you still call it the ship of Theseus, well, it's still got one thing left that, um, given that everything else has been replaced. 
Um, so, but this is so interesting because given that he won't replace his leg, this means that he finds meaning in suffering, mm. right? Because he's suffering on purpose. Yes. He could easily have this fixed. He's suffering on purpose because it gives him meaning. Yes. Right. That's fascinating. Yes. <clears throat> so he finds purpose in not being 100% perfect. In order to be functionally complete, he would have to sacrifice something more valuable. And I, but I believe him earlier, though, when he said that he would love to be able to dance again. Yeah. But nothing happens without sacrifice. You have to give up one thing in order to do another. Yeah. This is basically the idea of opportunity cost. It's, yep. Like, yep. it's like sacrificing, right? Um, it's just the pattern of the world. Either he sacrifices his ability to dance to maintain a continuous sense of self, or he sacrifices his continuous sacred self in order to be able to dance. Yes. But either way, he's sacrificing something, something in mm-hmm. order to either stay as he is or to become something else. Yep. Um, his left leg is what connects himself to his past. His entire being from beginning to now is connected only through that one leg. And he doesn't want to lose touch with his connection to that past. It's more valuable than anything else to him. Yes. Despite being a sacrifice, you know, he's sacrificing everything else in life to, be, to maintain that connection to, to history, basically. Yeah. It's very interesting. But it's even more interesting given that 2B and 9S just sacrificed their bodies and got completely new bodies yep. like an hour ago yeah okay probably days ago i don't know how long it takes <laughs> to regenerate a new body um maybe years ago who knows um but he's telling these people who have only been who who got brand new bodies very recently that like yeah right i wouldn't be the same person if i had a brand new body mm-hmm. right i don't know so that's gonna cause well i don't i don't know that it's we'll see we'll see if we bring this up again later uh but that's very good yeah um but this is good because, uh, as I talked about sacrifice earlier, 2B and 9S had sacrificed their bodies for the greater good, right, to the higher goal of Yorha, their central command. The corporation, you could say. A corporation means body mm. or embodiment, right? Corp. Corp. corp corpse. Corp, corp, right? Corporeal. Corporeal. Yeah. So the word corp is the same as the word corpse. In order for the corporation to be a body, it requires the sacrifices of its constituent elements to the higher goal that unites them all together as a single unified body. And yeah. that higher goal is kind of emanates down as a revelation or as a kind of an idea almost like um, those propaganda videos that yep. keep coming down. That yep. Those are meant to unify everyone as a corporation to cohere, you know, as in unity, right? Yeah. Uh, but it requires everybody to sacrifice their, what would you call it? their idiosyncratic self, like their, their me, their, their personal individual. wants, their individuality. Yeah, that's a good way. So they have to give up their individuality so that they can be part of this greater body. That's the collective. Right. right? Uh, but that requires them to sacrifice that part of themselves. And they're, they're constantly doing it to be and 9s are constantly doing it. Yeah. Um, so 9s and 2B give up their connection to the past. They give up their bodies or their continuous sense of self to the greater body of Yorha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also within the resistance, we see androids that are living a more embodied existence, right? This mm-hmm. is what I was talking about before. Um, they're on earth, not floating in space. Yep. They have a more physical connection to the real world, but they're also less unified, right? Yes. The, this is where right. you get the idiosyncratic, like, oh, I don't care what Joe does. Like, you know. I think uh, for myself, I'm yes, not exactly. going to be part of the, the tribe or the collective. Yes. I'm going to do my own thing, blaze my own trail. Yeah, Blaze my own trail, exactly. They aren't a strict rigid body or a corporation. They're a lot more individualistic. Instead of living in the detached outer space world of black and white where everyone dresses alike they live in the rich colorful filled earth and they seem um more unique because of it so yeah good stuff oh man uh did you ride a moose or a boar i didn't ride them you didn't ride them no (laughs) it's pretty fun it's pretty fun you can ride on them i didn't even realize you could do that (laughs) that takes me back to you well i only i only knew that because of 
near. So uh, oh, the first near. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Right, but because of that, I was like, oh, I wonder. I wonder if you and can. You do can. It. Oh, okay. You can do okay, it. Okay. Nice. So it's really okay. fun. So they they put that in there. That's funny. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, that's where we'll leave off for this week. Yep. But the next mission, um, they they say that several Yohara units were on their way to the surface, and their black boxes are online. So we presume that they're alive. We've tracked their location, and you need to go, you know, investigate. So we're going to go try and find out what happened to these Yohara units that were coming down and kind of got lost or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you arrive at a Disneyland-looking theme park called it the area is just called the amusement park amusement park yep and the robots are dressed like jesters yep. and throwing confetti <laughs> and just having a party right yep that's exactly they're right. doing what humans do and so parks. that's what we'll pick up next time yeah. again we've kind of said play through the end of ending a uh, that's what i'm gonna I, I i wasn't able to get that far this week but by next time i'm pretty sure i'm gonna finish with ending a i again we may oh, turn cool. that into two more episodes or whatnot but yeah um because we didn't that's the goal for me is to finish at least that far for next time. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate you as always. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.